You're listening to the Lucas Askew Experience. Now, here's your host, the one and only, Lucas Askew. Did you write a single article this year? Not for my own blog. No. Ah, I think it's time to retire. <laughs> and on that note, hello world! <laughs> Welcome to Lucas Askew Experience. It's March. No, this is not the kickoff to season two of the LAE yet. We're still working on some great content for you, the LAE faithful. But I just had to get back in the air to do this special episode. Selection Sunday just passed, and we are here to break down the NCAA March Madness bracket in full detail. The bracket band is back together, folks. You have the preeminent Pac-12 hoops blogger and one heck of an axe man, Mr. Adam Butler. Hey, um, it's it's fair that you kind of muffled the, the Pac-12 because the tournament committee felt the same way about the pack letting just three teams in and totally disregarding usc's entire body of work that's That's it it wasn't that impressive but i do appreciate the intro he's gone on the attack early (laughs) he is backing up the pack 12 early (laughs) and that soulful voice you hear in the background he keeps showing up to help dissect all your college sports needs the grammy award winner mr james aka jamie taylor (laughs) oh thank you Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Always the LAE is, is, uh, is quite the special podcast, and uh, I love coming up. It's great to have you. Both of you guys, it's great to have you back. It's March, like every year. I'm a kid in, in the candy store waiting for the games to tip off. So like our episode last year, we'll go region by region, give you the coverage you need to understand the favorites, identify those Cinderella's, and find out who will be having their one shiny moment in a couple weeks. Before we get started, it's time to thank... A couple of our wonderful sponsors, Flowwater, who's been sponsoring the college basketball podcast we've been doing. James, a word from, from Flowwater. Well, we, I mean, we're honored to be a sponsor here. Again, the LAE, you know, the, so many great listeners out there, so many great fans. So uh, great water drinkers. Right? It's all great water drinkers. I mean, water is essential to life, people. Uh, 70% of your body, 70% of this planet uh, is, is all water. So... Flow water is naturally brilliant water. Uh, we are able to take your tap water, filter out all the impurities, add in those great minerals, and it's a wonderful hydrating experience. So go out there and find some flow water, and thank you, Lucas, for having us back. No, it's great to have flow water. And, and you know what pairs well with a flow water? A sandwich. And thank you also to today's sponsor, Ike's Place. Ike's Place is not your normal sandwich shop. Born and bred in San Francisco, this spunky sandwich shop launched on Halloween 2007. The inside is cozy like most places in the city, but what sets it apart is our commitment to freshness and individuality. Many of the sandwiches are named based on local celebrities in the Bay Area, but also include some national folks like Adam Hartman from Man Vs. Food. You also get a caramel apple pop with every sandwich. So if you find yourself in the Bay Area, all across the Bay Area, not just San Francisco. Make your way into the Ike's Sandwich Shop. Tell them Lucas Askey sent you. Ike's Place, paying royalties to President Eisenhower since 2007. And we're back. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, March Madness is upon us. We're going to start, uh, as we did last year, region by region. Uh, we'll start over in the South region, where the overall number one seed, the Who's from Virginia, Tony Bennett, continues to provide boring basketball if you're a fan of offense, but sweet music if you're a fan of gritty, hard-nosed, hard-working defensive play. The Virginia Cavaliers 31-2, the overall number one seed, and they've looked downright dominant all season long. They will have a difficult, difficult road uh, to San Antonio in the Final Four. The committee, I don't think, did them any favors with the group of death uh, some some big heavyweights like Arizona, Kentucky, uh, waiting in the wings. James, we'll we'll start over with you uh, because we'll we'll let Butler finish with his Arizona uh, conversation. <laughs> but in the South, what what do you like? What jumps out at you in in the Atlanta? Bowl? I mean, I I do feel for Virginia a little bit. You know, they've been so fun to watch all year and have you know obviously put together the best body of work. And then to get you know the Arizona, Kentucky four five you know possibility in the Sweet Sixteen. 
that's a pretty tough blow, especially I think when you look around the bracket and see some of the other four or fives. I think I would take any other four or five combinations. Clemson and Auburn are shells of what they could have been. With right. Two, two major injuries. injuries and yep. I think they're both coming in at 500 or so in their last combined 14 games. Not that they, it's legitimately out of the, the team sheets to not look at the last 10, but at the end of the day, like that's still a measure of how hot a team is and that's going to make for an interesting tournament nevertheless yeah I mean and again like you know we 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 break this down like you have to win big games to get to the final four and and, and to win it all so you know you love seeing those like high profile blue-blooded sweet 16 matchups and that's going to be one of them I think I you know Virginia I like Arizona um, obviously the way they've been playing lately Um, that is just a Sweet 16 matchup that jumps out at you, right? And that's fine. It's fun to have that. So, you know, I'm not upset about it by any means, but um, I, I love Virginia. I really do. I love uh, Devin Hall. Is a fifth-year senior, I think. He likes, he takes the ball to the hole, opens things up. you got Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy on the outside, knocking down shots. Uh, you got DeAndre Hunter, who's a potential first-round pick. Uh, you know, Wilkins, Jack Salt. The, the, the Kiwi out of New Zealand. Did, uh, did you just name their entire roster? <laughs> I was like, a couple guys, yes. Kyle Guy has been there for six, seven years, it feels like. But what, what specifically will it be their defense that, that takes them over the edge? Or is they have enough offensive power to, to get by these, these big See, I teams? think they do have, have the right combination of offensive power this year. I mean, I think you know what you're going to get with their defense. And Adam you know can, can crunch the numbers on this one. But I think they're one of the... Maybe the best defensive team in the Ken Palm era, like of all they're, time. They're way, 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 way up there. Um, actually, I think Cincinnati is in fact a higher rated defense than them mm-hmm. this season. It would be interesting to see. I believe 2015 Kentucky might have been better. They were they rated at an 84.4, so 0.84 points per possession, which is insane. And actually, Virginia is right there with them. But when you mm-hmm. when you look at Final Four teams, I like to look at defensive efficiency. I also like to look at offensive efficiency, kind of having that balance. I think Virginia brings that this year. They haven't really brought in, in years past, even though they do have a tough road. Kentucky, Arizona, don't sleep on the Volunteers from Tennessee. Some may think they're a little bit too high, the three seed, but Grant Williams, SEC Player of the Year. You have Lamont Turner. You have Rick Barnes. Yes, I know Rick Barnes hasn't had a lot of success at Texas, but the real UT he went to this UT, University of Tennessee, Ooh. will will make its way, uh, and I have them uh, taking on Virginia. I do like Virginia though, uh, making its way out of this bracket to the first to Tony's first Final Four. A couple, uh, you know, one team I'd like to keep an eye out for is Nevada. I had the pleasure of watching them earlier in the year. Uh, funny story, I remember at one point in the year I was trying to remember who the brothers from Nevada were. So I just you know Googled Nevada brothers, and it says, "Do you mean Nevada?" Uh, so that was got, got, <laughs> went down a rabbit hole there. Of course, we're computer. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yep. Uh, but yeah, Caleb. I, I think we found the the content that we cutting out of this podcast. We'll continue. <laughs> uh, I, I, every year, I have to have one one nice off color joke that gets cut out of this podcast. But uh, Caleb and Cody Martin um, combined with a couple other pretty rugged players on that team, uh, they're a good team. I like them beating Cincinnati. I think they're going to be able to muscle up with Cincinnati and score just enough uh, to, to take down the Bearcats. The Bearcats have a hard time scoring uh, for stretches. They don't shoot the three very well. Um, so I like Nevada taking down Cincy oh. uh, to get to the Sweet 16. Okay. Well, I'll just cut to it. Arizona's going to go to the Final Four this year. <laughs> um, actually, what's really interesting, I think, about two of the things, a few of the things that you guys have touched on is um, looking across the brackets, this, this bracket is really interesting to me in that it features Virginia, the top defense, Cincinnati, the second defense, and Tennessee, I think the fourth best defense in the country by efficiency measures. Um, so as far as themes of the, of the bracket go, I think that's a really interesting th- thing to look at. And when you consider the, the counterpunch to a good defense, it's a good offense. Arizona is the top rated offense in this bracket. Now, when you look at what brings tournament success, it's a combination of offense and defense, and Arizona's defense is abysmal. Uh, You can look at its little run through the Pac-12 tournament, um, a tournament which the the tournament selection committee didn't think too fondly of because the Pac-12 was not well respected this week, um, and that's frankly okay. 
But ultimately, one of the things I would love to get your guys' opinion on as you run through this bracket and you look at the likes of a Kentucky loaded with future pros, Arizona with a couple of pros itself, would you rather play a team like a Virginia, historically, who is a very good system team but doesn't always feature pro-level talent, or a team like an Arizona or Kentucky that's maybe underachieved, but in a single game situation has the kind of guys that can either go get a bucket, go get a stop, and is a future NBA type player. Um, there are anecdotes to support all of it, but I think from an opinion standpoint, if your team is coming up against one of these different types of squads featuring a singular pro or kind of a systematic guy, team, what is more frightening to you? I think for me, it's the team. You know, we are all individuals, but collective, we are stronger. I don't know who said that, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 Churchill. <laughs> all, all great quotes came from Churchill. But with the, the team dynamic, team structure, um, there are a couple themes. Guards win you this tournament. I think co- cohesive teams, yes, players like Trey Young, who we'll get to later, can get hot and get you on a tear. Uh, but I think that the Kentucky team... Don't sleep on Davidson. This isn't Steph Curry's Davidson, your younger brother's Davidson. This is today's Davidson that has some sharp shooters, can light it up over the floor. And Florida that took down Kentucky over about a week and a half ago demonstrated characteristics that Davidson has. You get hot early, making your your threes can put Kentucky in a little bit of danger. Uh, I do think Kentucky makes its way out there, but... um, this is where the, the team dynamic of Virginia feels a, a little bit stronger play. Yeah, I mean, I think the Kentucky teams have passed with Anthony Davis and John Wall. Like, those are a little scary when you know you have kind of a bona fide NBA all-star. This Kentucky team, I'm looking my chops a little bit going up against them. I mean, they're, they're super young. They haven't gelled that well. And yet, it, they don't seem to have the level of talent that they've had in the past. So they're not a very cohesive unit. Uh, I know they played well down the stretch, and you know winning the SEC tournament was was impressive. Um, but you know I I'm looking at my chops playing them. I think Davidson does have a chance to beat them, uh, but I think Zona will you know a, a better mix of of you know some some seniors you know some scorers uh, who've been around the program for a little while. I feel like Arizona has that good mix, and then you know the name we haven't mentioned yet, you know, DeAndre Ayton, that guy is an absolute game changer uh, and probably I, I think the number one pick in the NBA draft um, hard to bet against him uh, in any scenario but Jack Salt <laughs> the Aiden killer Jack Salt the Kiwi could be the difference maker come Sweet 16. One thing that I was quick to go look at and this is an overvaluation of Dusan Ristich but the last time the Virginia Cavaliers played against a team featuring two big men, Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter. Those two combined to go for 44 and 29. Now, Dusan Ristich is not Wendell Carter nor Marvin Bagley, but DeAndre Ayton is one or both of those two players. Um, they went for 44 and 29. Meanwhile, the perimeter guys, which which Virginia is very good at locking up, went 0, 1 of 8 from three-point range. I'm not willing to say that those two, Arizona's Twin Towers, can go for 44 and 29, but I do think they can put up big numbers against a Virginia team. And the question becomes, can an Alonzo Trier snubbed from the Koozie Award list, which Grayson Allen was included on, could he have a bigger game than Allen's five points against Virginia? Similarly, Parker Jackson Cartwright playing very well. I'm getting well ahead of myself. There's still a tough (laughs) Buffalo matchup, as well as Kentucky or Davidson matchup. A lot of Wildcats in that pod, just for fun. Um... But I'm just putting it out there. It was something that I immediately and quickly went to look up. So Butler, Butler Butler's going Arizona. Taylor? I'm going Virginia. Going. Yeah, I'm going Virginia as well. Any upset specials? I know you talked through Nevada. I, I was leaning towards the, the Ramblers from Loyola, Chicago. I feel it's a very trendy 6-11 pick. I hesitated and didn't ultimately move him through. Jim Laranega, even though he's at a, a top tier program in Miami, uh, a big school, I still feel he has that mid-major intensity. I think he'll have his Hurricanes ready to go. Miami's tough to beat. I don't like a lot of upsets here, uh, so it might be a little chalky for uh, the folks. I don't know. Loyola, Chicago did win at Florida earlier in the year. Pretty big-time win there, Uh, and they're a very talented team. I I, kind of like them in that matchup. 
I'd like to, I'm just excited to see uh, a Shaka Smart team in the tournament. It's always fun to see Shaka in the dance. Not um, when they have 14 losses. <laughs> well, they are playing for something bigger than themselves with Andrew Jones. That's always an interesting mm-hmm. story to keep an eye on. Um, not to you know, and then from from a basketball perspective, I think a lot of the muscle is just in the top half of this uh, this bracket between Virginia, Kentucky. I watched some Tennessee this weekend. I'm not overly impressed. Miami's got pros for sure. That's always threatening. Um, Cincinnati just doesn't do it for me. Um, and Tails, you were mentioning Nevada. Um, I, I can't trust a team that lost by 17 to, to San Diego State. <laughs> oh, it's a hot San Diego State team. Watch out. <laughs> okay, so that, that does it in the south. Moving our way down, down the bracket to the west. This is where the Xavier Musketeers, not Xavier, for those of the folks that uh, don't know basketball and just see uh, it spelled on the page. The Xavier Musketeers are back in the tournament. A number one seed last year, they made it all the way to the Elite Eight as an 11. They play the role of underdog very well. I always love to move them uh, through the bracket. They just have the the toughness and and knack for, for grinding out victories, making their threes. But this year, they are the hunted not the hunter. We'll see how they compare in this new role. Uh, Xavier, senior-laden team. You've got Trevin Blewett. You have Sean uh, O'Mara. You have J.P. Makara. Uh, you just have folks that have been there, obviously, last year, but for the past couple years. I don't love uh, their, their overall matchup in, in bracket here. I think they. you have Gonzaga waiting in the wings. Uh, you have a, a very hot Michigan team that's been shooting the lights out. Don't forget um, about the Porter brothers. How about second round. the addition uh-huh. of a possible top five pick? What a wild card. <laughs> <laughs> and then don't forget about the, the Nat- University of National Champions, UNC, who I picked last year correctly uh, to win the national championship. Oh, there's the plug. There's the self-plug. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, they, they're sitting there at a number two. Uh, even though they, they have deficiencies, rebounding, uh, being a a huge part of that. They are sitting at two, made their, their run in the ACC tournament. Uh, so Butler, we'll, we'll click, kick this one off to you. Uh, what do you like out West? Um, I would have liked for my favorite team to have been in the West. Not only are they originally from there, but this does seem to be the, the most um, volatile, should I say, of the, of the, of the regions. Um, you bring up a great point, Xavier. At this uh, this season is now the hunted. It's not completely unfamiliar territory. I do think when you see Xavier across the chest of your opponent, you do know that you're going up against a squad. Um, to me, Gonzaga is fascinating because for the last couple of seasons, most notably last season, we saw them as an absolute powerhouse. There was no two ways about it. That was an excellent basketball team. I think I remember listening to to Mark Titus talk about it, and he was like. I don't care if they lose in the first round or the title game. I'm going to take heat for it, but that is a good basketball team capable of winning the national title, and they damn near almost did it. Um, When I look at this, I keep hearing Houston's name come up as something of a tournament darling. Uh, Right now, I do find them really interesting, though they are going up against Jamie's uh, Aztecs. The other name that was coming up a lot... I'm wearing a Nacho Libre mask right now, for the record. (laughs) The other name that keeps coming up uh, are the Michigan Wolverines. And what makes them a little bit unique this year is they are a top-rated defense. Um, I don't have it up right this second, but it is an abnormality for a John Beeline team to be great at defense, and that's exactly what this team is. And then they've got um, uh, Mr. Wagner, uh, who's the same kind of guy that has pro-level talent that can make help you make a run. Because if you are able to defend for 40 minutes and then get one guy hot, you are able to beat any team on a given night. And that's a really nice equation, especially sitting uh, on the three line with a, and I know you love them, but a very uh, beatable North Carolina team. Abdul Rahman's a guy that can get hot and carry you through a couple games as well. Wagner, to me, he reminds me a little of Mitch McGarry. The highest of hot big men that they're ever the tournament may have ever seen. My goodness, and move that his way to the NBA draft after putting together four games. Do you feel a couple puffs? Okay. You think Wagner has uh, a little bit more more talent? You know, I don't know. I I I think he probably has a little more talent. Probably a little more you know NBA style game to to him. But 
There's only one big white big man I want to talk about Jack in this Saul. region. It's the Dominator, Mike Dom, out of the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. We saw this guy do some special things in the tournament last year. He came back, senior year, All-American, and he averaged 24 and 10. He's probably going to be a pro. He, he's going to get a look. Um, and he's sitting you know, with a 12 seed, those Jackrabbits. I like him taking down Ohio State. I like him. Again, they're fun to watch. Watch this guy. Watch the Dominator. Well, speaking of... Um, I was about to make a lot of different ways to get to this, but at the end of the day, I really just wanted to ask your opinion on St. Mary. Speaking of a pro-level big man, uh, white big man, not actually included in this tournament, who did play last year. Thoughts on the Gales not making it in? Absolutely. Absolute sham. And shame. However you want to position it. A shameful shame. A shameful shame. (laughs) This team, yes, they don't do a a lot in non-conference scheduling. The AD and Randy Bennett need to uh, actually go uh, take on some, some bigger-time teams. However, no one wants to play St. Mary's. No one wants a schedule. They, they are gonzaga light, uh, so to speak. They put together their body of work. Yes, they didn't make it to the WCC championship. You saw them a handful of times live, Jamie. This team is one of the 64, 68 best teams. Who wouldn't want to see Mr. Lansdale one more time culminate his uh, college career instead of a, a, an Arizona State or a Syracuse team. It's a shame. Shameful shame. <laughs> shameful yeah, shame. I couldn't agree more. It's a shameful shame. Uh, you know, this is a really solid all-around basketball team. Uh, you got Hermanson, you know, the Hermanator. Uh, you know, it's just a good squad. And I think it's kind of a travesty. You know, Middle Tennessee State is another one of these teams where St. Mary's Middle Tennessee State, like, those are teams I want to see in the tournament. They've won all year long. You know, yes, maybe their out-of-conference records aren't as good as they should be, or they haven't beaten anybody out of conference, but they also don't have the luxury of playing, you know, a, a top power conference schedule. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't really care much to see a 14-loss Texas or a 15-loss Alabama, even though they got, got, got hot, or an Arizona-Syracuse. Like, these mediocre top power conferences, like a back half of the power conferences, I would much rather give these opportunities to, uh, you know, some of these, these you know, mid-majors that have won a lot of games and are clearly very good, uh, but just don't play in the power conference so that they don't get the opportunity that these other teams do. We'll get there eventually, but is Arizona State one of the weirdest profiles you can ever remember? I mean, they finished ninth in a conference that wouldn't take the second <laughs> place finisher. Eight and ten, right? They were yeah. fi- finished under five hundred. That's fast. In twenty seventeen, yeah. they were one of the best top five teams. In twenty eighteen, yes. they may be the one of the worst five teams in all of Div One. Like the changing of the calendar, completely different team. Obviously, they're playing better competition in in conference in the Pac twelve. Yeah, I I don't know how they got in, but again, this could be a us against the world mentality. They want to show people uh, in, in the first four against Syracuse, the perpetual bubble team. But again, I, one of those teams, I will tell you, is going to upset TCU. But I'll uh, we'll have to wait. Uh, <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah, let's let's stay we'll in the West here for a second. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier those really sexy Sweet 16 matchups. North Carolina, Michigan, I think, is another one of those. I would love to see that game. Who happen. might be on the call? Chris Weber. Oh, fascinating subplot. Fascinating subplot. Fascinating subplot. For all you listeners who don't remember, that C-Web calling the timeout in the national championship game against North Carolina. Great, great subplot. That an assistant coach called for. (laughs) Just just FYI. (laughs) We don't need to get into that. (laughs) Okay, so. A whole new LAE podcast. so, So picks out of the West. Jamie, who, who do you like? Oh, man, you know what? I, I'm i going to go with North Carolina. I think North Carolina is a really great team. I didn't think so two months ago. I think so now. And it's entirely not because of Luke May. I think Luke May is one of the most overrated wow. in the country. But I think the rest of the UNC team is very, very good. And I think... You know, I, I, I do like that Xavier team. I think they're a great squad. I think UNC is going to you know find a way to pull it out against Michigan and then pull it out against Xavier, and I think they're going back to the Final Four. Is Joel Berry this year's Denzel Valentine? 
I like that analogy. That's, that's, a, two, that's a 215 upset. That's a bold thing to say, and I don't really stand by it. I was just putting it out there. Um, nevertheless, that's a lot of magic that that, that that North Carolina team is playing with right now, and, and I'd be very curious to see, obviously, how far they can take it. Um, it does seem... It does seem like the the, 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 the the this little run may be coming to an end, but I have to imagine Joel Berry doesn't want that to happen, and we love senior guards this time of year. If I had to take one guard in the whole tournament, it might be Joel Berry. It might be Joel Berry. Um, that's got moxie. Yeah. Well, I'm also looking forward to uh, talking to Alabama because I really like Colin Sexton. Fair. Uh, nevertheless. Stay in the West. Stay in the West. Stay in the West. Stay in the West. Um, I don't love any of these teams as I scroll up and down. Uh, I'm not very inclined to pick Xavier, um, but I'm not too fired up on any of the other squads. That said, I think I might have to just pick uh, University of National Champions. Wow. I think... After after spending about a minute and a half trashing them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think all of us don't necessarily want to put them... They are not as good as they were last year, but looking at their the region, the region's not strong top, top through bottom. Xavier, I like them better as a 6-11 seed, not a number one seed. I think Gonzaga gets hot. I do like the Jackrabbits from South, De- South Dakota State. They actually recruited an individual from Regina, Saskatchewan, Kai Williams, who played there uh, just north of a decade ago. So they know how to farm out great talent across the country and internationally. <laughs> but again, I think Luke May does the trick, Joel Berry, but Theo Pinson, the glue guy, Theo yes. Pinson. He's going to put up 20 points uh, and make key three-pointers down the stretch, and he will be your X factor to get North Carolina back to the I love it. I just want to throw – I love Kenny Williams is like a classic, classic college basketball player. I love that guy. He'll, he'll hit threes. Probably not going to do that much else for you. He takes a lot of charges. Um, probably not going to be that great at the next level, but he's great. Cameron Johnson, big, tall, good wing. You know, that team's actually coming together. I like it. So moving from the west, we're going east, the Boston region, uh, where Villanova, the perpetual underachiever, Jay Wright's Villanova Wildcats, they have a number one seed once again. Uh, They will be tested in that 8-9 matchup versus Virginia Tech or Alabama. Uh, Jay Wright, we talk about his expensive suits all the time. He is well-dressed, but he always finds a way. He is well-dressed. He is (laughs) well-dressed. His teams find a way to lose in that opening weekend. I think if he can make it through that Virginia Tech-Alabama game, I think he could be walking his way to Boston. Let's not forget their national championship two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sure. Short-term memory, <laughs> as well as the decade before. Fair. Wisconsin did break their hearts last year. That is, which was called on this podcast. I, I will give credit where credit is due. You did call that, as well as a couple other pits that didn't pan out. But... <laughs> The yeah, East okay. region, it's got a lot of storylines, a lot of narratives. Jamie, tell me what uh, what you see, what jumps out at you uh, in the East bracket. Oh, man, I'm actually going to start with a couple of upset picks here. Uh, Murray State is a very sound that, squad. That will not happen, just FYI, the West Virginia Mountaineers. But uh, uh, you know, I know how everyone likes to say, oh, West Virginia is the worst team to play against in a single elimination tournament because you don't have time to prepare for them, so on and so forth. Well... Murray State does have time to, to prepare for them, and they will be prepared, and they will beat West Virginia. Uh, also, call this out, the Marshall Thundering Herd. They parlayed a couple wins over Middle Tennessee State into the conference championship there. They are actually getting really hot. I think they started out the year pretty abysmal, like a 1-9 and nine or something terrible, and they've gotten hot. A couple wins over Middle Tennessee State. and went over Western Kentucky. Great squad there. Uh, I kind of liked how hot Marshall is. So you're, and, and you're, yeah, you're yeah. telling me that you, out of a team from West Virginia, you are picking the Marshall Thundering Herd over the West Virginia University Mountaineers. Uh, yes. Okay. I'm picking Marshall over Wichita State, Murray State over West Virginia, and then a battle between Marshall and Murray State to be the first, I think, uh, tw- 12 or higher seed to go to uh, Sweet 16 in the last five years, I think, something like that. I, so, I, yeah, there we go. You heard it here first, folks. Basically, all, all my <laughs> listeners, they know that I'm a 
my alma mater is West Virginia, so all the hate mail can be directed to Jamie Taylor at james at myflowwater.com. <laughs> but West Virginia, this is it's an ugly basketball team. This is the, the way that they play. They are built to take down the Baylors of the world, these tall, lanky individuals that don't really know how to handle the ball that will create those 20-plus turnovers. Murray State, they like to, to slow it down anyways. Um, I, I think they can handle the pace of Press Virginia. I s- still believe Darius Miles and Javon Carter, the man-child, will still will this team through. Bob Huggy Bear Sounded Huggins. Sounded like you were pretty close to picking uh, No, no, no. I'm just laying out the evidence in the case, but th- this team, they, they win ugly. So I'm, my pick will be ugly uh, to move them to the next round. And I also I do like the, the Marshall Thundering Herd to make a all-West Virginia matchup. Uh, I do like West Virginia to, to move out of the East uh, Regional. I think the my upset special, though, uh, I didn't want to pass over to Butler in case he takes it. Uh, I like Stone Cold Stephen F. Austin. You want to talk about a team that understands Stephen F. Austin has that, that look at the team that is willing to just grind it out and make threes. They'll have some dude with a headband making <laughs> threes from, from wherever. Stephen F. Austin with the upset special and the folks in Nacogdoches will be going berserk when their lumberjacks of Stephen F. Austin pull off the upset. So, enough of the soapbox. Butler, tell me about this region. I'm interested in this 8-9 matchup between Virginia Tech, who holds a few big, big wins this season, uh, and Alabama, because Colin Sexton is arguably the most electrifying player in this tournament, um, because that poses itself a very interesting matchup for Villanova in the second round, um, especially when you lead with Jay Wright's um, propensity to lose early in this tournament. You've already talked about Murray State, which is really one of the darlings of this tournament based off of um, kind of a lot of the efficiency numbers. Going back to my uh, Excel spreadsheeting, um, they actually are the 10th rated team when you look at just the raw numbers, not adjusting for strength of schedule, which theirs is is uh, understandably not as strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very curious um, about Purdue. They got hot in the middle of in, in the middle of the season, have certainly cooled off, and haven't given us great reason to be confident in them as a two seed, especially as the committee did not seem to uh, credit Michigan State with. Um, you know, being the the slayers of the Big Ten, I thought that was really an interesting thing to see Purdue slip into that two line as opposed to perhaps a Michigan State. Nevertheless, uh, nothing terribly thrilling uh, in the bottom half of this bracket. I'm not really inspired by the Florida team. I do think UCLA has a fascinating roster, if not a passive one. Um, having Aaron Holiday, who is basically the runner up for Pac-12 Player of the Year, and Thomas Welsh, a senior, um, we talk about upperclassmen guards at least Aaron Holidays is about as good as they get um, and then they've got a, a, a handful of wings uh, that uh, can do five star recruit damage um, that said they still have to play in to play that uh, to play that Florida game so I'm also very curious about this Wichita State team they don't seem like a signature Greg Marshall team um, but they do also have more talent than some Greg Marshall teams so it'll be very interesting to see how they go um, as far as upset specials in this go, I'm inclined to be a Pac-12 homer and say UCLA could win a pair of ball games uh, and make it into the second round and face off against Texas Tech or, as you said, uh, a matchup with Stephen Steven Steven Boston. Okay, so what uh, we looking at this region? Man, I mean, people are, I will say people picks. are kind of sleeping on Florida. Um, I still have nightmares of Kevon Allen and then, of course, Chris Chioza. Uh, hitting that shot against Wisconsin last year. Uh, they have great, great guard play. Uh, they've been playing a little bit, but I, they started out hot, had a little funk in the middle of the season, and have gotten hot again later in the year. So I uh, you know, I wouldn't overlook that Florida team. Texas Tech is a, is a rugged team. I, I do like uh, what Texas Tech does. I, I think that Florida-Texas Tech matchup is what I see happening. Uh, I think that could be a really good game. 
Um, but you know, I Villanova. I've watched them play a good amount this year. I, you know, I love them ever since I picked them to win it all uh, two years ago uh, on Butler's podcast, believe it or not. Um, and I just, I mean, talk about a well-balanced, well-coached, uh, you know, solid defensive team, decent defensive team, but just very deep. You know, they have seven very, very reliable players. Um, I like I like Villanova coming out of this, this bracket. Butler? Ooh, it's tough. Yeah, it's it's funny going up and down this this region. I really like, you know, you 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 think about CBS on that Saturday, and could you see these names? And I'm kind of weirded out. Like, I really only can see Villanova, and that's probably just because I've seen it there before. Um, they're also really good, and they've got the upperclassmen guard, and they've got a wing that can get buckets seemingly on demand. Um, I got to go Villanova. So you're. Praising yourself for all these uh, great picks for, from years past, I, I will be humble enough and say that I picked Villanova to, to to go to the Final Four last year, and they disappointed me. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me five of the past seven years, I'm, ne- I'm never going to pick you again. I don't believe Villanova gets out of the first weekend. She writes, success for the first day continues, and his downfall continues. I like the Virginia Tech Hokies. Buzz Williams sweats through his suits. He doesn't need expensive suits. He's got the the Joseph A. Banks suits of the world. I believe Virginia Tech takes down Villanova, which helps pave the way for West Virginia to make its way through the East bracket. I do like Purdue, though. Uh, I think they they pose a, a challenge. And crazy as it is, Caleb Swanigan from last year, their best player, they lose them. I think they're a better team from from a year ago. Uh, Caleb Edwards, you still have Isaac Haas, one one tower and another uh, seven footer off the bench yeah absolutely Uh, but i do like the the homer pick press virginia bob huggins this team has grit they have moxie they're going to play some ugly games but i think ugliness sometimes becomes a shining moment so i like west virginia making its way through the east bracket oh that is rich that is good stuff that's why it's his podcast, folks. That's right. That's why that I pay myself the big bucks. The Midwest, the final region to go. Uh, this is the Kansas bracket. Um, if a pesky Penn team as a, a 16 seed, don't sleep on that. Uh, but the Kansas is the, the overall number one seed. You have Duke. You have Michigan State. Uh, there's a lot of strength, uh, top through bottom, uh, in this Midwest region, uh, playing in Omaha. Uh, beautiful Warren Buffett country. Um, great to see <laughs> Omaha on the map. So, Butler, talk me through some statistics. What do you like uh, jumping out at you in the Midwest bracket? I do think Penn is really interesting. People want to talk a lot about the way that they can shoot the three, especially against a Kansas team. Um, at the end of the day, uh, it's never happened before. I think you can go through, and we have this entire bracket, come up with an anecdote for just about every scenario. It's a team of bigs. It's a team of smalls. It's a hot guard. It's a good defensive team, what have you. You can come up with an anecdote for just about anything to happen. You can't come up with one for a 16 over a 1. So I'm not inclined to say it's going to happen. Uh, and I don't think that this Kansas team is more ripe than any other number one seed to, to be the first to fall. Um, that said, it is interesting that Bill Self has had this much success and has gone to just two Final Fours while uh, Calipari has been to four in nine years at Kentucky. Fun fact. Um, Extremely fun. Um, this is, that, this is that, uh, that region where we're very disappointed in the four and the five, uh, especially when you consider the four and the five in the South are uh, tur- conference tournament champions. Uh, for whatever you want to say that's worth. Um, but at the same time, Auburn and Clemson have kind of slinked uh, to the end of things. TCU, I think we already called as an upset special, or a to-be upset special, if I said that right. That is correct. I'll get to that in a little bit. All right. Um, <laughs> but this, but when it's all said and done, this, this bracket does contain one of the tournament's most fascinating teams, which is Michigan State, a four-loss team that has effectively lived up to its hype. It was a preseason top five team, lost four games, yet still falls down to the three line. And I imagine Tom Izzo is more than happy to play up the woe is us, 
chip on the shoulder type of mantra for this squad. Um, I do really appreciate that Miles Bridges came back and has performed at a very nice level. He maybe didn't become a player of the year candidate, um, but I also think he's been playing in kind of a weird position. Tails, you probably watched a little bit more Big Ten basketball, but this is a team that goes very big heavy and is very light on the guards. That, that fact doesn't necessarily drop them to the three line, but it is probably a reason to be somewhat skeptical of their ability to advance uh, four, five, six games into this tournament. Tails, you had a look of yeah. I mean, well, if you know, if you listen to Dan Dockich, and you should never, <laughs> ever, ever, ever listen to Dan Dockich. Yeah, if you listen to Dan Dockich, Miles Bridges had a terrible year, and that just goes to show you what Dan Dockich knows. But I think that Michigan State team is very well-rounded. I think Cassius Winston uh, is a really good point guard. Um, and, you know, obviously it's a Tom Mizzle coach team. Like, they can show up. But it's been a while, right? The Big Ten hasn't won a national championship since their national championship back in 2000. Uh, so I know Big Ten country is pulling hard for Michigan State. Uh, that's going to be – I hate, you know, harping on these sexy Sweet 16 matchups, but Michigan State-Duke – is a Sweet 16 matchup that I am uh, really ho- hoping happens and hoping to see. One very interesting team here for me is Seton Hall. Uh, they have you love Seton. Oh Hall. God, I know. I, you love them. Well, you know they they burn. Talk about Angel fool me once. Talk about fool me once because when they went on that run and you know won the Big East tournament a couple years ago, I had them going deep. And what do they do? Get bounced in the first round. So I'm. I, it's. It's very difficult for me, but I, you know, they have a talented team. You, you know, bring up Angel Delgado. That guy's maybe the best rebounder in the country. Uh, he's a double double every night, and then they have some good guards: uh, Kadeem Carrington, uh, Powell, Desi Rodriguez. These guys can fill it up if they get hot together at the at, at the same time and uh, the right time. I, they could make a run. They could beat Kansas. You know, they have the firepower to beat Kansas. I don't think Kansas is all that good this year, to be honest. And their big man's. Uh, a little banged up right now. We'll see how if he's 100%. Uh, so I don't know. Look out for Seton Hall, maybe. Uh, would love to see that Duke Michigan State. I, th- I think the winner of the Duke Michigan State team is going to the Final Four. Our we, game, yeah. we really haven't talked about Duke. Do you feel that they have enough firepower? I think a lot of people are talking Michigan State, but this is a, a Duke team that at points, there's a reason they were the preeminent number one team in the nation in preseason. They have talent through the wazoo. Do you like Coach K in this match? I mean, when I what I I do like is when I saw Marvin Bagley drop thirty three and seventeen. You know, that's those are pretty gaudy in the ACC tournament. That those are pretty gaudy numbers. Uh, you know, he has been compared to Tim Duncan, uh, <laughs> which is a lofty comparison, I know. Um, you know, I think the Duke does does, d- does he use the backboard like Tim Duncan? Like, <laughs> if you're not a big yeah, fundamentalist, the then you shouldn't be compared with the one and only Tim Duncan. Fair. Fair. I think they do have a lot of great talent. I think what is going to cost Duke is I think you can shut their backcourt down. I think you get in Grayson Allen's pants. You you know you don't you don't let them get an open shot. I don't think they have a whole lot of other uh, you know perimeter players that are really going to going to beat you. Um, so I think you shut them down. Maybe let Bagley get his. Shut everyone else down. I think I think you can beat Duke. I think. I, you know, I don't think this team has gelled that well. They've kind of relied on this 2-3 zone that they've gone to later in the year, which Coach K learned from Bayheim and his uh, USA you know, national team coaching. I don't trust it. I don't trust the 2-3 zone. Um, I, I don't trust their defense. Uh, and I don't really trust, uh, trust you know, their, uh, their, their team. I think, Michigan, I think Michigan State beat A lot them. of trust issues coming out of uh, Jamie's <laughs> corner there. It is region. I think this is the region of chaos. And I'll, I'll tell you why. I like a, a lot of madness to to ensue. NC State team with Kevin under Kevin Keats, like Mark Godfrey before, would always find a way to, to pull the, the magic out of his hat. They are a nine seed. They've upset the Villanovas of the world when they were a one. I think they push Kansas right to the bitter end. Unfortunately, I don't think they, they make it through. I think they would have with a Xavier or even a Virginia. Then you have the 5-12-4-13 matchup. Auburn, Charleston, Butler talk through the, the weaknesses of, of Clemson and Auburn. Charleston, my good friend and mentor, Jamal Walden, assistant athletic director at the College of Charleston, was just hired there about six months ago. This is a pick for him. I believe Charleston takes down. So you think this has got his makings all written all over it? You think he has orchestrated this I believe incredible turnaround? In coming into the athletic department to just 
caused this wave of excitement. It's gotten fans into the stands. It's motivated the team. He really has been a catalyst, whether he knows it or not. I like Charleston. And then I also like the 12th or the 5-12 matchup, New Mexico State, the Aggies out of the whack in the tournament for the fifth time in the past six years. Yes, they have struggled, haven't won a game in the tournament in 25 years, but this team feels different. They're number four in the nation in defensive efficiency. They are, and they have a guard that can fill it up. Shooting guard, Zach, don't call him Kenny Lofton, leads the team, <laughs> averaging just short of 20 points per game. Last year, he was actually with Texas Southern and led them to the tourney. This year, I believe in the Aggies. Their football team won a bowl game after a long drought. And come this weekend, the party in Las Crucas will continue. I believe they're taking down Clemson. I believe they're taking down Charleston. And the New Mexico State Aggies are making their way to Omaha, Nebraska. They are in to the second weekend. Stakes for everyone. <laughs> that, is, that is my upset special. I'm inspired. I think overall out of this region, you, you talked a lot about Michigan State. Miles Bridges coming back. Cassius Winston. I think Michigan State is the, the team to make its way out of this region. I think they, they've got the depth, the strength. Tom Izzo, again, similar to the, the Arizona us-against-the-world mentality. Tom Izzo, a lot of heat. We haven't talked about the – we'll talk through the, the scandal that has been rocking college basketball, but how about the pre-scandal of uh, Michigan State and the, the connection to Larry Nasser? He had a, a lot of heat throughout the, the entirety of the season. Playing the actual game is sometimes a good remedy. He is is motivated to get his team back to the Final Four. So I like Michigan State coming out of this particular region. Jamie? Um, I think I'm going Michigan State as well. I, ha I hate to, uh, to copy the, you know, the LAE, but uh, I, I like Michigan State. Hey, when it's right, it's fair to copy. Hey, when so. you're right, you're right, you know. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, again, I don't think Kansas is all that strong this year. Um, I love the New Mexico State call. Uh, yeah, I, I, I see Michigan State going. I don't like myself for this, but I think for, for reasons I don't care to quantify, Kansas makes it. Hmm. So before we, uh, we go Final Four picks, I think it would be remiss of us not to, uh, to talk about the scandal rocking uh, college basketball to its core. The FBI had to get involved uh, in this ultimate deliberations. Jamie, why don't you give the, the viewers a little little snapshot of what, uh, what's been transpiring? Oh, well, I don't know if I know all the details. I mean, there was a lot. You of, are a resident FBI. A lot of cloudy, cloudy things out there. I wish, as a you know, true college basketball fan, that uh, you know the FBI could have maybe waited till you know April, May to come out. You know, you know, you know maybe May or June to come out with some of these allegations. Uh, I'm not sure why they had to do it middle of our lovely college basketball season. Um, but you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to throw this one over to Butler. Knowing that this one hits a little home, luckily, you know Wisconsin was not implicated uh, in, in any way, shape, or form. Right, just um, in time <laughs> as they switch to Under Armour, as Under Armour paid two hundred eighty million dollars to acquire UCLA and ninety million dollars to acquire Cal Carry On. <laughs> and then I'm gonna I'm gonna let Butler. So you're, you're, you're you're passing the passing the plate as well. Yes. Okay. Yep. Well, I, I guess Butler, you well, were. I, it's because I'm implicated. I'm not actually. <laughs> I'm not actually allowed to speak. <laughs> the longest-winded pleading of the film. <laughs> I've made my statement. Um, yeah. Right. So, in I believe it was October or September, the FBI announced the arrest of I believe four high major assistants uh, and two two shoe executives uh, and two agents. They've actually dropped the case against. Um, one, um, I think it was an agent or something along those lines because it could not be corroborated that he actually took the money uh, and gave it to a player. Like I was telling these guys before uh, we started recording, um, <clears throat> this, uh, I don't know what his exact title was, but he basically just took the money. He did nothing illegal, never passed it to a player, didn't do anything to fraud one of the universities. Uh, he just took cash uh, which, if anybody wants to just give me cash, I'll promise to do whatever with it, but I might just pocket it as well. Um, ultimately, and what's that's going not a crime, on? Huh? It's not a crime. Just Taking to, cash for saying you're going to do something with it and not doing it is not a crime? 
as, I mean, I don't want to be, I'm no legal expert here, but at the end of the day, he didn't do anything bad with the money. Okay. Um, <clears throat> ultimately, what's going on here is everybody is being charged. When you hear that there are charges, it is people being charged uh, with committing fraud against the universities. They are knowingly delivering ineligible players to a federal institution or an institution that receives federal money, and therefore it is fraud against the institution. It is a very interesting um, uh, ploy or tactic, I think, to get to some of these high-level shoe executives. I'm blanking on the guy at Adidas's name who is funneling hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to players through coaches, through intermediaries to get them to, for what's most famously uh, now, to Louisville and Brian Bowen in that $100,000 case. But nevertheless, the programs and the reason I think the buck was passed to me is Brooke Richardson in Arizona was arrested. Um, who else? Tony Bland oh, at Oklahoma USC, State. Alabama. Oklahoma State, uh, Alabama, and Auburn yeah. uh, were all implicated. Um, and um, and at the end of the day, those trials won't happen for yet another year. So anybody concerned about NCAA sanctions uh, has a long time to wait. The FBI has really no reason to turn this evidence over, and at the end of the day, the NCAA is going to have to do their own investigations, get these people to talk anyway. So it's very interesting from the perspective of how this is going to shake out for the NCAA, because a lot of these people, if they are players in fact, um, who have taken money or done something uh, that breaks the NCAA rules, they aren't necessarily going to be involved in the NCAA when the NCAA is actually able to do anything. So they have no reason to answer the phone to talk to any NCAA investigator. So it is very unclear and there's a cloud over the sport as to what is ultimately going to happen here. That said, when when stories start to leak or, or material starts leaking out of the FBI and players, coaches, etc., who are active in the NCAA, for example, Sean Miller being uh, mentioned in a... Uh, four times corrected ESPN article. Um, yes, four times. Um, I didn't know they had a corrections page until that, and then right. I, I've frequented since. It's, it's been very interesting, right? Very Have interesting. you actually looked at other corrected stories <laughs> yeah. on there since? Yeah. What's the most interesting one? Um, it wasn't before then, but it was kind of before it was like the, the name of an alleged person was wrong, and like certain elements, you're like, this actually probably should be Edited, corroborated, yeah, right, yeah, like, a little bit before, before you yeah, <laughs> released before this damning we're, we're, story. Blindly right. just consuming this content, and I think that's that's a problem with just media in general to, in today's landscape. We're just trying to get the story out as quickly as possible. That I don't think the due diligence is being done to corroborate the ultimate story. Yeah, just to give you uh, like an actual, you know, uh, you know, backlash of that is you know three University of Arizona commits decommitted. Yes. Yeah. You know, three top recruits decommitted from your 2018 class, including right. Shaquille O'Neal's son. Yeah, including Shaquille O'Neal's son, including Javon Quinterly. Who, if you go by timelines of what the FBI report has said, received fifteen thousand dollars to play. Now, whether he was actually paid that or not is not clear, based off of wiretaps, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he is a good enough player and a safe enough risk at this point based off of all the implications that Villanova has now accepted his commitment uh, and he will play for them next season. So Villanova is confident enough that he will be deemed eligible, eligible by the NCAA, which leads one to believe very possible that the NCAA or, or, or those in the know um, are not as worried as we may all think they really are um, about what's, any proverbial hammer that's going to drop. And I think one frustrating aspect of this is, you know, the FBI, you know, you, you kind of leaks these names, right? And you're like, oh, Miles Bridges got leaked at, at Michigan State. And it was like, oh, Tom Izzo, Miles Bridges, like, what's going on? They're, they're, they're shadowy, you know, they're, they're all getting paid. Turns out Miles Bridges' parents met with an agent without him knowing, without Tom Izzo knowing. They had a dinner, uh, and apparently the agent bought dinner. It was a $50 meal for the three of them. And Miles Bridges had to donate forty dollars to a charity uh, to you know to make up for it. Is that really what you, the FBI is investigating, and, and why there's an entire cloud over over college basketball, and then implicates Michigan State and Tom Izzo and Miles Bridges? 
because of a $50 dinner that his parents had. And this is all, and the $50 came off of an expense report of the runner, a, a, a employee of the agency most um, under scrutiny and who has been investigated, but also uh, had all their files, et cetera, taken. And the FBI somehow leaked these expense reports that included dinners and, and interestingly enough, notes like waste of time. So like they may have had a dinner cost of three or $400, whether that dinner not happened, it was not worth that investment to get that kid to eventually come to their agency. The other thing about this is none of that money is necessarily influencing anybody go to a specific school, which is also something everybody gets up in arms about. Looking at that expense report, A, it was not like our expense reports at uh, a former company <laughs> where we were taping the receipts to everything that we yeah. included. No receipts. Yeah, no receipts. Just from $50 to $100,000, there wasn't any real connections between the numbers and the individuals being used. It, it really, it's unfortunate from a timing perspective and it created a lot of uproar, a lot of conversation. People saying these individuals, these, these institutions should boycott the final four. This is the way to to put it to the NCAA. I, I don't think that is the ultimate answer. The, you have, yes, you have the, the cream of the crop that may take a an amount um, for, for their own benefit and their family's benefit. But for a lot of these kids playing in the, the tournament, making the Final Four, like that's their dream come true. And that to take that away and to boycott Jalen Rose, I don't agree with you uh, with that sentiment. It's just unfortunate that this is the conversation dominating the, the airwaves during this wonderful time of March. And hopefully come Thursday, we'll all forget about this for a little while. <laughs> And we'll, we'll listen to Greg Gumbel and, and, and group um, and actually enjoy this. But uh, any final thoughts? On the no, let's thing? move on. I'm, I'm, I'm done talking about Well, it. I thought you were going to have hot takes on the conspiracy theories that all the schools implying this in a little bit of a way got, uh, got hosed. Off of the bubble were Louisville. Um, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. USC. USC. Those were three bubble teams that did not get in, weren't even included when the Davidson upset. Um, and we're all implicated in the investigation. We're all implicated yeah. in the F investigation. Arizona, who on February 11th was the number 15 team in the bracket reveal, went eight and one down the stretch and dropped to the number 16 team in the tournament. Um, and for a Pac-12 regular season champion and Pac-12 Pac tournament champion, champion, champion and 27 and seven and, and a four seed, and yeah, a, the, yeah, that's the number four four seed. Um, Let's even throw Michigan State in the bucket. I'll just say Michigan that right State. now. And again, well. 20, you know, four loss team. Um, you know, beat Purdue like you know they're what Very three nice seeds instead of two seeds. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got Auburn, who many many had uh, projected as a three seed, dropped to the four line. Um, I'm blanking on uh, any other conspiracy names. Um, you know, I, I guess that's pretty. Yeah, I mean, that, those are a lot. Those are a lot of names. <laughs> pretty significant. It's a, it's a lot of conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of conspiracy for little much. Yeah. That job. The only way I'm doing this with a uh, aluminum hat on. <laughs> Tin foil. Tin foil. Uh, the only conspiracy I remember is conspiracy theory, one of the worst Mel Gibson movies of all time. <laughs> but on that note, let's get to the final four. Uh, so Butler, uh, to just refresh the the viewers, what you what you selected, uh, you had Zona coming out of the south, you had UNC coming out of the west, you had Villanova coming from the east, and Kansas in the Midwest. Uh, so talk me through your, your final four. Who's winning the national semifinals, and who do you believe is cutting down the nets in San Antonio? It was 21 final fours ago that Arizona and North Carolina met in the final four. Arizona was up four at the half. Lute Olsen famously said, you're up four and you've played like that, and they wound up beating North Carolina in the national semifinal. Arizona was also a four seed in the south that year. Um, and as we talked about anecdotes, able to prove everything out. I think for the last 21 years, I've used some form of that same anecdote to rationalize why Arizona is going to win every title since the 1997 title. So um, I do, however, think Arizona matches up pretty nicely with this North Carolina team, um, especially when you consider the way that Parker Jackson Cartwright is playing. He has uh, played fantastic defense to date, uh, particularly through the Pac-12 tournament in shutting down uh, the aforementioned Aaron Holiday, as well as Jordan McLaughlin, two very tough guards. With all of that said, 
his performance over the last three games is still four games away from the one that we're describing now, and it, his performance of the season has been a little bit mercurial. Um, but the front court of Luke May, I'm Jamie's not, favorite player, Jamie's oh. favorite, most player. overrated player in the country. Yeah, I'm not too. Con- I'm not too concerned Maybe about him having the thickest play. eyebrows. Yes, but I don't know if he's <laughs> overrated. That's actually. A very good call-out. We didn't go through NCAA aesthetics, but that is one that needs to be mentioned. Yes. Um, anyhow, DeAndre Ayton is just going to be too much of a terror for that North Carolina team, and, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to Arizona advancing on that side of the bracket. Are we doing Yeah, it? Yeah, doing both. Are we doing both. Um, Villanova, Kansas. Uh, this feels like a very old-school matchup. At the end of the day, I'm really a big fan of... Um, of guard play, and this is going to have just a ton of it. Um, I'm, I'm inclined to say uh, the Bridges kid out of Nova is going to carry Nova through a couple of games. I don't think Kansas has much that can go up against him as far as defensive capabilities go. Um, and Devontae Graham, for all of his heroics this season, uh, is going to come up against one in, in Jalen Brunson. I think that's going to be a really tough one. He's a bigger physical guard than, than perhaps uh, Graham is. That's not to say that Graham can't handle it, uh, but I don't know if the apostrophe can carry them that much further. And I do see a wildcat on wildcat action in the Woo-hoo! final with, as I mentioned, my wildcats prevailing. I can't not pick them on an annual basis. I can rationalize it. I can dive deeper into the numbers, but I'm there. Okay, so Butler, the homer pick, he likes his Arizona Wildcats taking it. Jamie, unfortunately, no Wisconsin here, no Marquette, no UW-Milwaukee, no UW-Green Bay, so all the homer picks are gone for you. Ah, Tell me who you like. What do I do now? All right, well, Virginia, North Carolina, Virginia's already beaten them twice. I think Virginia beats them a third time. I've already mentioned the entire Virginia roster, so I don't need to, to go deeper Ooh, there. Jack Pepper? No. <laughs> Jack Salt. Jack Salt. <laughs> okay. Um, other side of the bracket, I got Villanova taking on Michigan State. Uh, again, I like this balanced Villanova team. They play great basketball. And then this final, as a basketball purist, it gets no better than Virginia Villanova. It may not be the sexiest matchup for, for all the fans out there, but as a basketball purist, this is going to be an incredibly well-played game. I know the last year's final was a little slow, a little dull. This one's going to have a similar pace and maybe even a, a somewhat similar score, but it's going to be absolutely great basketball. Um, I like Villanova, 69-67 over Virginia in a great battle. Uh, one of the best finals we've seen in a while as far as quality of basketball being played. Uh, and I think Villanova cuts down the net do again. You, do you have a buzzer beater from uh, anyone on the Wildcats team? No, I don't think this is a buzzer beater type of game. I think this is a game where a team has a chance with the ball at the end and they get locked down defensively. Kyle Guy gets do- double teamed in the corner and, and, can't, and can't, can't get it up. Just, just can't get it out. He doesn't have the talent to, to make a shot over, <laughs> over the double team. Uh, but looking forward to it. Should be a great tournament. I just want to throw in one quick note. Um, last year saw no 13s, 14s, or 15 seeds win a game. I hope that changes this year. Okay. I want to see a few more upsets. That year. will change. That will change. Last year I felt like we, you know, we were, you know, we lacked a, a, a lot of great upsets. Um, and I think uh, hopefully that, you know. That reverses, and we see we see some. some well, hopefully, great by action. some of this misseeding that the uh, the tournament committee so eloquently does, that can create some uh, inherent uh, upsets uh, during this time. So f- for me, the, my final four: you got uh, Virginia and North Carolina on the the left side. Very similar points to to Jamie there. I do think this is not the North Carolina team of last year, of the year before. I don't think they're making three straight national champions. I'm not that crazy uh, to pick them. I do like Virginia. Tony Bennett making not only his first Final Four, but his first national championship appearance. And then on the other side of West Virginia and Michigan State, as much as I would love to to move Bob Huggy Bear into the actual championship game, uh, this un- unfortunately is where the, the road ends uh, for the Mountaineers. The team just does not shoot the ball well, and that that will get you to a place. But ultimately, Michigan State, the the depth, the rebounding prowess, Miles Bridges is is a man child, uh, and he will 
will dominate the boards uh, and just be more efficient than uh, the West Virginia Mountaineers. So I like Virginia, Michigan State uh, in my national championship. And then ultimately, vindicated, whatever it is, uh, he's been tired of answering the, the questions from the media all year long. I think Michigan State, Tom Izzo, Miles Bridges, your most valuable player. They get it done over Virginia. It might not be as great of an aesthetic game as last year. Good thing is, though, this will not be played in a football stadium. Uh, this will be played in San Antonio, the Alamo Dome. It's not. A, that is a football stadium. We're going to retract that <laughs> overall overall element. I thought I, I thought I read something great, but regardless, uh, I've, I've seen a national championship game in the Alamo Dome, and it stinks <laughs> officially. But okay, well, Michigan State is my pick for uh, for the national championship in 2018. So that that does it. We, uh, you know, as as always, we go through this very quickly. Any parting thoughts? Any last minute, like the great sports reporters of uh, of old? Your parting shot. You could be John Saunders. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, I don't have anything too profound to say, but just enjoy it, folks. Call in sick. Uh, work from home. Do whatever you have to do. Bring in the TV from the basement into the living room. Uh, put them side by side. Get you know, get a couple laptops up. Get all four screens going at all times, uh, and just enjoy the madness. And remember, if you're at home, determine what channel True TV is right now. I know you don't turn to it at all throughout the year. Find it on your uh, your local TV. If you don't have it, purchase it just for these next three weeks. Agreed. And if you have the opportunity, put as many parlays down as possible. Always, always a great uh, some great parlay bets out there. Brent Musburger's uh, <laughs> nephew right there, Jamie Taylor. Butler, any uh, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, ride and die with your team. Pick one pick one this week, or, or you know who exactly who it is, but uh, go all in on them, because otherwise it's, it's way, there's way too many choices. True. Not unlike an Ike sandwich list. Oh, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Full circle. Uh, I had the Matt Kane today, and it was delicious. So thank you to Adam Butler, Jamie Taylor, for providing the knowledge you need when filling out your brackets. Thank you again for Flow Water for keeping us hydrated, as well as Ike's for keeping us satiated uh, and continuing to support this podcast. Woohoo! Really appreciate it. I hope you enjoy the madness in all its glory and enjoy this special episode of the LAE Season 2. It is coming. Get ready, folks. Until next time, take care. Talk soon. Woo! God bless. <laughs> early on the woo. You want to redo that one? No, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still recording. <laughs>